to everyone and welcome to BibleQuest.tv. We're glad you're able to join us today. Let me stop the sharing of the screen here. We get everything in organized order here. Um, organized order. Uh, we're going to be talking about something very controversial today. And I mentioned organized order because I am not organized. So maybe I need help in that area, Scott, which we'll, we'll explain that in a minute. Um, well, if you're, if you're not organized, yeah, uh, uh, don't tip. go along with our topic. Okay. <laughs> and if I forget things, like forgetting to start exactly at 2 o'clock? That might go along with our topic. Right, right. So I'm a candidate. Okay. Well, we'll keep you in suspense there just for a minute. But we're, we're live on the, the Zoom app. Um, and also, we are live on... Jonathan, we're live on your Facebook page, right? Uh, we're actually live on Scott's Facebook page. Today. Oh, we're on Scott, uh, Scott. We're on your Facebook page. Cool. And glad to have you here, Jonathan. Glad to have you here, Scott. How you guys doing? Doing well. Great, great. Um, yeah, so if you're coming in on the Zoom app, you usually sh should know this by now. You click on the Q&A box or the chat window and put your uh, text comments in there. And if you want to talk using your audio on your computer, just hit the uh, raise your hand button there and you'll see that tells us you would like to come in on the audio. If you're coming in on Scott's Facebook page, be sure to put your comments in the comment box. We'll be monitor monitoring that as well. And I think I have everything in order, guys. We are good to see you today. Uh, Jeff's away one more week. I think he's back next week, so the three of us will handle it. Jeff is in Greece today. He's in Greece. Oh. Yeah, he's either in Athens or Corinth right now, I believe. Oh, the church in Corinth, huh? <laughs> Visiting the church. I doubt it's the same group of people. <laughs> Hopefully they've got things in better shape. Than they, than did. they did when Paul was writing to them. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm not even going to introduce the topic. Scott, why don't you just take it away and let's talk about this. We want people to come, give us comments as we're talking, ask questions, make your comments, and we'll respond to that, obviously. And Scott, go ahead. Take it away. All right, so um, the book of Proverbs has a lot in it about child training. Uh, I do a series on child training, and the material we're about to go to, I usually don't have time to get to, and uh, it's sometimes controversial, but I want to get it out here so people can take a look at this. And we're going to be talking about undertrained, over-medicated kids undertrained, over-medicated kids. I want to say before we get started uh, that we're going to be giving some information from uh, scientists and, and different things. I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor. At the end, after you consider what research is and what different scientists say in your child, you're the parent. Your child is your child. If you believe that your child needs a certain medication and your doctor says that your child needs a certain medication, that's between you and your doctor and your child. It's not, I'm not a doctor. And I want to make that really, really clear. And there are a lot of cases where people need medication, where medication can improve lives and medication can save lives. And there are children that need some medication. However, I think it's very safe to say that children in America are very much over 
medicated and very much under-trained. And we're gonna be looking today at the somewhat American, because uh, not other countries are doing it like we're doing it, um, a lot less in other places, but the American current fad is to drug our children when they're not paying close enough attention in school or they're fidgeting. Scott, when you said that uh, you're, you're, you're making an opinion or making a statement about children are over-medicated, I, I want to also interject repeating what you said. I don't think this is your opinion, but you're also going to refer to who uh, professionals are saying that. Yes. Yes, we're going to be looking at a number of statements. You're going to see a number of things on the screen. None of these are from a, you know, from my website or a, a I don't think anything here is from a Christian-based website. You're going to be seeing things from American pediatrics and from psychology today and, and opinion pieces in Time magazine by scientists and different things like that. That's what you're going to be seeing. Uh, and I want to say again, if you in the end decide that your child needs a certain medication and your doctor believes that, that's your choice in your family to make your medical decisions. But you need to know what's going on so that you can make an educated decision whether to take that medication or not. Any other comments before we get started? All right, so uh, I'll begin with this. Uh, my oldest son, when he, we put him in first grade, uh, after that we ended up homeschooling him, but in first grade he was in public school. The teacher called us in for a parent-teacher conference. She was an older lady, she looked tired, she said. Well, your son talks too much, he wiggles around, he falls out of his seat. Have you taken him to the doctor? Of course, what was she implying? Are you saying this was your son? Yeah, yeah, this is my son. She was implying something's wrong and needs medical help. Yeah, take him to the doctor, get him prescribed with Ritalin or Alderol, so she will have an easier time in class. Uh, this happens all the time. Well, we did not give my son Ritalin or Alderol. Uh, I would have been, in fact, even at my age now, I think I could easily be, be diagnosed. And we'll see that in a minute. Um, with Jonathan, you and I have a good friend who was little, uh, the, the, I guess his mom had been told to take him to the doctor. So took him to the doctor. They sit down and, and my friend told me while he was sitting there in the doctor's office, he's picking up things on the doctor's office. Like, what's this? What's that? What does this do? What's that? And they say within just minutes, maybe five minutes or so, the do doctor had diagnosed him with ADD or ADHD and prescribed him Ritalin. His mom, who Jonathan, you also know, took him home, gave him the drug, it kind of zombied him and said, I'm not giving him that. Didn't give him that. He's a great guy, doing a good job raising his family, you know, kids today. And there's a serious stuff here that we want to take a look at. So I'm going to start sharing the screen now. Any other comments before we get started? Uh, are you, um, well, I, I think you're going to get to it here eventually, so we'll just wait. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to, from the two different worldviews that, that this comes from, you're going to talk about that here in just a second. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from. Let me just say something here. 
you're training and you're training a child, okay? They do need to be trained, but we need to remember that they are children. And one of the things we're gonna find out as we go through this is that we've got a school system designed not very well for boys. It, most ADHD diagnoses are in the United States largely in, uh, compared to other countries, and they go to boys. And sometimes it's because they're not very well trained, but sometimes it's because they're boys. I talked to a teacher who went through there, and she had to have to say, yes, 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 yes. And she says, I just want to write on the page. He's a boy. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But let's begin with what Jonathan just referred to, and it's this. What about ADHD? Um, we hear these things from society in general, correct? Do, do parents, if you're picking up a, a parenting magazine or you're listening to TV, do you get the message, never spank your child? Is that a common message today? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm. Never spank your child. Do parents hear this kind of thing? Don't be controlling. Let him be himself. Do they hear that? Are you are you sharing your screen? Am I not? Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Oh, that's me. I can't see it. Okay. Okay. All right. Do parents also hear this? Build up his self esteem and let him do what he wants. Do, do, do they hear things like that? Yep. Yeah. So you've got a two year old. You don't spank him. You don't control him. You don't restrain him. He gets a snack when he wants a snack. Do what he wants to do. Watch his video, play his game. Oh, he's bored with that. He goes, does something else. Now he wants a snack. Doesn't want to eat his supper. Now he wants a snack later. There's no control. He gets to do anything and everything. And then we send him to school. And guess what we hear? Your son's a problem in class. <laughs> Your son has a behavioral disorder. Here's a drug to control the problem. Now, it doesn't have to be a direct link. There's children that have been spanked and they still recommend a drug. There's children that have not been spanked and they don't recommend the drug. So it's not a straight correlation, but there's also some relationships here. First, we want to notice this. There's two different premises. The biblical premise is what? We're created by who? By God. Yeah. And what's our obligation in life? Um, we're supposed to follow God's will. Um, and I have it on the screen, turn away from sin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is there such a thing as good and evil? Yeah. Yeah. For which we will face judgment. So for a lot of the time in our country, a lot of people have this idea. Okay. Um, are we physical? <coughs> yeah. And are we spiritual? Yes. yes. The Bible teaches both of these things. So, of course, we have physical needs. What are some of our physical needs? Have to eat, have to sleep. Yeah. And sometimes we have a disease for which there's a medication that will help that disease or a surgery that will correct that problem. We have physical needs. But we also have what? We have spiritual needs and responsibilities. Yeah, because some things are good, some things are bad, some things are right, some things are wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And we do start off as children, and we have to learn and be trained how to do some things. That's the biblical idea, right? Any comments on that? Yeah, and just um, to put one more passage with it, um, which which you're about to contrast it with the, the evolutionary idea and the evolutionary premise. But in uh, Psalm 139, um, verse 13 he says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Um, 
And, and so if, if God made people, which, which you're going to get to here in just a second, God should know how to appropriately deal with people, which yeah. is found in his word. And so you, you've mentioned, you know, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. And all the different other proverbs that have yeah. to do with child training. Yeah. And so if my child is being mean to other children and won't share, but demands to have their toys, what do I need to do? Take the others. What? Do what? Um, I misunderstood the question. I was having some technical issues here. Go ahead. Repeat okay. that question. I need to train my child. No, you can't behave like that. You know, you tried to grab the toy from the other child. So guess what? You don't get the toy and right. you need to apologize. And maybe you need to sit in the corner for a minute. You know, we, we teach them, we train them that you don't get to do whatever you want, whatever you want, right? All right. Now, here is the atheistic evolutionary premise. Uh, God's sin and a judgment day are just what? It's just myths. myths. Don't exist. Myths. Instead, where did life come from? It was just a random happenstance of chemicals. Of chemicals. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some chemicals turned into life accidentally and then began reproducing and then by mutations random mutations some had chemical arrangements that were superior to others and so nature eliminated the less fit and preserved the more fit so on and so on until you work your way up to human beings but we still are unplanned accumulation of chemicals so this bottom that's gone so what are we an unplanned accumulation of chemicals now, that's your premise, and some people easily adapt to social constructs, and some people don't, then what's going to be your assumption? Uh, put in some more chemicals. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. If all we are is an unplanned accumulation of chemicals, and somebody is behaving better than somebody else, they got better chemical arrangements. And the other person has worse chemical arrangement. So, of course, the solution is always going to be, often going to be what? Fix them with better chemicals. 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 Now, this is not to say there's not a place for medication. Of course. I mean, how many lives have been saved by, you know, uh, medications and penicillins and different things? Uh, doctors are a good thing. So we're going to be talking about some bad doctoring, but there's wonderful doctors who have helped us all. Uh, in Mark 2, Jesus used it as an illustration of what he's doing. He said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And over a fourth of the New Testament is written by a doctor, Luke. So doctors are wonderful things. That doesn't mean every doctor is good, and it doesn't mean every opinion of every doctor is good. But doctoring is a good thing, and medicine can be a very beneficial thing, even a life-saving thing. Amen? Amen to that. But is, does every doctor always have the best advice and know what to do? No, they're limited. And in Mark 5, we read about a woman who had suffered much under what? Many doctors. And had? No success. <laughs> she was just getting worse. <laughs> Spent she spent all her money. She had, spent all her money doing it, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Have you seen people kind of like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's keep that in mind. All right. Now, ADHD. This is a statement from ADD Attitude Mag, uh, and it says, "Dr. Thomas Brown, 
ADHD is not a matter of willpower. It is a problem with the dynamics of the chemistry of the brain. And just like sometimes people say alcoholism and stuff, sometimes you'll hear the idea, oh, it's just a disease like, you know, polio or, or leukemia or something. In other words, it's, it's a, pro well, here it is. We'll just use his words. It's a problem with the dynamics of the chemistry of the brain. My question is, is it purely a physical condition unrelated to externals, behavior, and training? Let's watch. And here are some of the components that we're going to find it's in. Here's something interesting. Now, this is from, what, 2014. Until recently, 90% of all Ritalin takers lived where? In America. Yeah. And even at this time of writing, 75% of all Ritalin users are in the U.S. Now, what about Japan? What about England? What about France? Why aren't they all using Ritalin the same way we are? And if you look at this from Time Magazine, it says research says, researcher says it's less to do with, you see it on the screen? Brain chemistry and more to do with what? I don't, I don't see that. Can y'all not see that? Oh, I see now. Oh, it's in, in the title, uh, More to Do With Money. I yeah. was looking in the actual article. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Less to do with brain chemistry, more to do with money. Now, this is from healthychildren.org, powered by pediatricians from the American Academy of Pediatrics, okay? Common ADHD medications and treatments for children. It says down here in the second paragraph, stimulants that's the drugs, may be used alone. So, and that's what a lot of parents do. They just give them the drugs. Or they say you can do what? You can combine it with what? Behavior therapy. Yes. Um, and so it can be con combined with behavior therapy. And if you look at the bottom here, it talks about behavior therapy for children with ADHD. So let's click on that and look at that. Behavior therapy for children with ADHD. But wait a minute, wait a minute, Scott. Didn't that other doctor say it's just chemicals? He said it's not about willpower, it's brain chemistry. If it has nothing to do with willpower, why can you treat it with behavior therapy? The same the same group of physicians are saying one they say it's not a, it's not about willpower, but yet here are some well, things we need to add. I, I don't know if he's a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics or not. Okay. I suspect he may be, but I don't know. I, I don't know if he is or not. But this is from the American Academy of Pediatrics, who are all for Ritalin and, and such. But they're acknowledging here, you know, it can be helpful to combine it with behavior therapy. Set doable goals and provide reward. You see number two there, provide rewards and consequences. Mm. So there's rewards and consequences like a <coughs> punishment. Okay, so let's look at some of the war rewards and punishment. Behavior therapy techniques for if your child has ADHD. So they say in addition to giving them drugs, you have rewards. If the child completes an assignment, so they pay attention and they finish their assignment, they're permitted to do what? Play on the computer. Yeah, but if instead they hit their sibling, they must what? Go to a timeout. <laughs> Yeah, sit for five minutes. Uh, and, uh, it, or they lose free time privileges because they didn't finish their work. 
and they can earn stars or points for completing assignments and lose stars for getting out of a seat. Child cashes in the sum of her stars at the end of the week for a prize. Here's my question. Oh, notice, your child will learn better ways to control <coughs> his what? Where are you looking? Oh, down at the bottom. Yeah, that his, last. His behavior. Year. Yeah, they'll learn better how to control their behavior, and you'll learn how to be more consistent. If ADHD is a condition like leukemia and has nothing to do with willpower, why are rewards and penalties part of ADHD therapy? They're not part of leukemia therapy. If my child has leukemia, I can't, it's wrong to tell him that if he'll get better blood numbers, he can have some ice cream, but if he doesn't get better, better blood numbers, he's going to be punished, right? Why would we never do that? Because he doesn't have any control over whether he, he holds himself or not. Yeah, it has nothing to do with willpower. Why would this work? Why would this help? Now, they're saying do it along with the drugs. But even from the standpoint they're saying, it helps because it does have something to do with willpower. Now, let's see how ADHD is uh, prescribed. I want to jump ahead to this chart. I've got these in the wrong orders. So this is from Center of Disease Control, okay? CDC, government website. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Deciding if a child has ADHD is a several-step process. There is no single test to diagnose ADHD. You can't send in your blood work. You can't do a biopsy to find out if you have ADHD. The American Psychiatric Association of Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 5th edition, remember that, because you're going to see in a minute that the <coughs> won't use this. They've come up with their own system as a refusal to use this. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But this is what uh, is used in America. So the DSM is used by mental health professionals to diagnose ADHD. Now, again, it's not done with a blood test. So how do they diagnose it? Here's how they diagnose it. It's either A or B. You can, if you fit A or B, then you can be diagnosed with ADHD. Ready, guys? A, six or more of the following symptoms of inattention have been present for at least six months to a point that's inappropriate for a developmental level. Ready? Number one often does not give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, etc. Number two, often has trouble keeping attention. Number three, often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Um, I would say a lot of husbands have been, <laughs> if, if yeah. one, not <laughs> diagnosing, a lot of husbands would be diagnosed, one of the six right there often does not follow through on instructions, fails to finish schoolwork or chores, often has trouble organizing activities. What were you having trouble with? You said I'm at the top of that list, organization. Off, get this. Often avoids, dislikes, or doesn't want to do things that take a lot of mental effort for a long period of time. Do you guys remember being in third grade? <laughs> I'm trying to forget. 
You better take him to the doctor. He doesn't seem to enjoy doing things that take a whole lot of mental effort for a long period of time. He's staring out the window waiting for recess. Yeah. Number seven, often loses things needed for tasks and activities. I'm 60 years old. I'm still losing stuff. (laughs) Is often easily distracted. Is often forgetful in daily activities. Now watch what some scientists say about this in just a minute. So that's your things. Now here's the other. Remember it said it could be A or B. So here's, um, excuse me, there's A again. Here's B, number two. Do they fidget or tap hands and feet or squirm in seat? What was what did the first grade teacher say about my son? You know, he's squirming in his seat. Um, Is he often on the go as if acting by a motor? You ever seen little boys that look like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Often has trouble waiting his or her turn. Yeah. Well, there's some training can help there. Now look uh, who would think it. National Institute of Mental Health. Who is at risk of this behavior? No wonder we identify with those things. Boys are four four times at risk. We're boys. Now, this is from... Uh, an expert that says it's not a real disease. We're going to see how the French talk about it in a minute. They treat it as a medical thing, but as a medical thing caused by social situations, not by brain chemistry. Um, but well, wait a minute, maybe, Scott, may, maybe no one has really evolved as much as U.S. citizens. Right. <laughs> All right. One of the world's leading neuroscientists says it's not a real disease. He said it's best thought of as a description. If you look at how you end up with that label, it's remarkable because any one of us at a given time would have fit at least a couple of those. Now, to be fair to the CDC, they would say, oh, whoa, 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 but we said it has to have been going for six months and it can't be a couple, it's gotta be at least six. But you're also talking about little boys. Um, I'm not going to take time to read that one, um, except he's warning about things, uh, the side effects of drugs. And here's, this is from Time Magazine, an, an opinion piece by Dr. Richard Saul, 2014. Over the course of my career, I've found more than 20 conditions that can lead, conditions that can lead to symptoms of ADHD, each which requires its own approach to treatment. Raising a generation of children and now adults who can't live without stimulants is no solution. He says, in the past decade, diagnoses have skyrocketed. He says, I've come to believe, based on decades of treating patient patients, that ADHD, as currently defined in the DSM, does not exist. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't kids that lose things that are staring out the window and not paying attention. Of course, there are. But follow is he, he talks about the DSM. Uh, notice the last sentence in this box I just put up. I'll put it up again. He said, we've ought, or in that last two sentences, under these subjective criteria, the entire U.S. population could potentially qualify. We've all had these moments in modern amounts. They're a normal part of the human condition. Um, and he says, addiction, he starts talking about the problem there in his last sentence, I worry that a generation of Americans won't be able to concentrate without this medication. Big pharma is understandably not as concerned. Now, there you can see a rise in Ritalin use. This is an older chart, but you see just dramatic rises 
And this is really interesting. What do you guys see there? U.S. is the top of the list. Look at Japan. How come they don't have the same brain function or malfunctioning? Look at Australia. Look at Germany. Now, Canada, Canada is jumping up there. And this is back a number of years ago. But, of course, Canada is pretty close to where? Yeah, there's a lot of cultural similarities between here and there. This is fascinating. This is from 2014. This is Psychology Today, okay? Psychology Today, and it's an article by Marilyn Wedge, PhD. Why French kids don't have ADHD. French children don't need medications to control their behavior. Isn't that interesting? Look at paragraph number two. Is ADHD a biological, neurological disorder? And again, I want to say this. I'm not going to say that there are no children in America who have a biological, neurological disorder that might be helped by some of these drugs, okay? But to the extent that it is being diagnosed, no. It's being way over-medicated. This, which is why I said at the beginning, our children are undertrained and over-medicated. If after looking at this information, if after dealing with your child, if after talking to your doctor and talking to more than one doctor, if you believe that you need some medication for your child, you're the parent. I'm not your parent. I'm not your doctor. But I want to share this information. Why? If this is the way we treat it in the U.S., why don't the French have the same problem? Second paragraph, is ADHD a biological neurological disorder? Surprisingly, the answer to the question depends on whether you live in France or the U.S. In the U.S., child psychiatrists consider it to be a biological disorder with biological causes. And so, of course, how do they treat it? Drugs. Drugs. French child psychologists view ADHD as a medical condition that has psychosocial and situational causes. So instead of treating children's focusing and behavior problems with drugs, what do French doctors do? Behavior they look, therapy? They look for underlying issues that causes it, not in the child's brain, but in the child's social context and they choose to treat the underlying social context problem with psychotherapy or family counseling. This is a very different way of seeing things from the American tendency to attribute all systems to a biological dysfunction, such as chemical imbalance. And they don't use the DSM. Who said the DSM has all the answers? They instead have developed an alternative classification system as a resistance to the influence of DSM. And guess what? They don't have to have all their kids drugged up. Moreover, the definition of ADHD is not as broad as in the American system. And this doctor, Marilyn Wedge, PhD, writing in Psychology Today, says the American view tends to pathologize much of what is normal childhood behavior. DSM specifically does not consider underlying causes. It thus leads clinicians to give ADHD diagnosis to a much larger number of symptomatic children while encouraging them to treat those children with pharmaceuticals. 
This article, if you want to read it, just go to Psychology Today and Google why French kids don't have ADHD. You know what else it says? It says they discipline and train their kids differently. They don't let them snack all the time. They're, they're more uh, structured in their families. There's frameworks that you're expected to fit in. You have four times that you can eat without snacking all the time in between. You're expected to follow the rules. And guess what? They don't, they don't have all their kids, uh, a, a bunch of their kids taking drugs for ADHD. Comments or thoughts so far? There, yeah, there's a comment that came in uh, on the Facebook page. Randy says, from past teaching experience, and for the most part, ADD was classified unofficially as adult disciplinary deficiency. So they would probably use uh, drug, drug us for that. Yeah, adult <laughs> disciplinary deficiency. And then you, had, you have another one uh, from Dan says, as a homeschool family, the only, this is cute. The only drug we give our kids who can't seem to pay attention is adrenaline. Go run around the house 10 times, then come back. (laughs) (laughs) That's adjusting the brain chemicals. Oh, that's great. Good. This is from PBS, YTF Frontline. Okay. I love this. This is great. Imagine yourself. By the way, what time is it? Uh, 2.34. We're good. Okay. All right. Imagine yourself sitting in a classroom, say a fourth grade social studies class. There's a teacher in the front of the room teaching you fourth grade social studies and droning on and on. But a groundskeeper mowing outside the grass, mowing grass outside captures your attention instead. You're looking out the window. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Especially if he's sitting on a tractor. Yeah, cool. (laughs) When the mower moves away, however, you feel bored and restless. Pretty soon your swinging feet slam into the seat in front of you. The attentive student sitting there yelps. The teacher interrupts class asks, what the problem is? Sudden activity jolts you back into focus. At least something interesting is happening. You're beyond feeling embarrassed about being the center of this kind of attention. Happens all the time. You have quite a reputation for this sort of thing. Besides, it isn't really your fault. They all say you probably have ADD or ADHD or something like that and can't help but act this way. There is something odd, if not downright ironic, about the picture of millions of American school children filling out drug awareness classes to line up at the school's nurse's office for their midday dose of amphetamine. By the way, the Ritalin is in the same, by the DEA or whatever, it's classed in the same classification as, I think, cocaine. Now, it doesn't affect you like cocaine, but it's the same class two stimulant. Scott, before you go further, a few minutes ago, we're laughing we're not laughing at what's going on. We're laughing at the lack of attention I have as a kid that a, a, a oh, lawnmower. I was, I was a kid when I was a kid. You know, I would daydream. I would, and, and it's like my son. You know, she said he falls out of his seat, he wiggles, he talks. You know, and he was also a bright kid. We tested him in second grade national standard testing. He was reading at post high school level in second grade. He was probably kind of bored sometimes in school. And he's a boy. And you know what? God made boys to be able to run and jump and work. And if you have boys sit still and listen to numbers and dates read to them for hours upon hours upon hours, that's not the best way for boys to learn. That's why I fell asleep. Let's uh, uh, uh yeah, speed it up. We are getting close to time. But there, there was a reason about boys getting yeah, bored no, some... that. look okay. at this uh uh first paragraph and then the last one it's tempting to view this pattern as suggesting that the adhd diagnosis provides teachers with a new technique for regaining control of the classroom 
in a world where many of the traditional methods of control have been eliminated. Drugs have replaced the reprimand. And if you know public school teachers, you know what we're talking about here. Yep. And look at the, look at the uh, uh, last paragraph. None of this, this is important, none of this should be taken to suggest that there's no cases of genuine brain damage or dysfunction that require medical intervention. There are children that need drugs, <coughs> but difference does not automatically equal disease. Is changing the child's brain chemistry by prescribing Ritalin-like drugs really the most appropriate response to a child who doesn't perform well in the modern school environment? Let's go just a few minutes over because I do want to get to this stuff about boys. This is a book I have that I would recommend. It's by Peg Tyre. She is a journalist. She uh, describes herself as liberal-minded, and she wrote this book, The Trouble with Boys, and it's pretty fascinating. Any comments before we look at what she says? I just want to repeat, if people have taken an issue of what we're talking about, we're not giving our opinions. We're reading what professionals are saying on both sides of the issue. And so Peg Tyre here, a journalist, investigated, and here's what she found. She went to a class of second graders, and they were divided into the hares and the tortoises. The hares, who could read fast, were reading, you know, the more complicated books because they were fast readers. The tortoises, who were slow readers, had to read, of course, the simpler books. Guess which gender were the hares? Girls? The girls. Yep. Guess which gender were the tortoises? Us boys. Yeah. So she went over and she asked the boys, she said, so what's the, and they don't like reading. She goes and talks to tortoises and they don't like reading. And she's asking why. And when they're explaining why they don't like reading, her first response was to think, well, you know, they're just trying to put down reading because they're not good at it. And so, you know, they're trying to dismiss it as unimportant because they're not good at it. But then she started paying attention. She listened to what they said, and she started looking, and she started noticing. The books they were being given to read are in pastel colors by female authors about female sheroes. How exciting is that going to be to a little second-grade boy? Did your slide change? No. Probably not. How exciting Probably is that going to be to a second-grade boy? Not Probably not very. <laughs> yeah, and this is what they said. The boys said reading is kind of girly. <laughs> she's a female journalist, and I think a feminist, if I remember correctly, but she starts realizing there's a reason why these boys are saying that. She also noticed um, there's a big difference but sometimes between gender and movement uh, that we'll talk about on the extremes. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about that. This is, she talks about this scientist from Canada that works in developmental psychology, and he talks about on a bell curve how much kids move by gender. And in the middle is where most boys and girls are. On average, girls and boys are not usually the most sedentary kids or the most active kids. Most girls and boys tend to be kind of in the middle of the bell curve. But when you look at the ends of the bell curve, Guess who are the ones that like to sit still the most, girls or boys? Girls. Yep. And guess on the bell curve which gender is most likely to be running, jumping, falling out of their seat, squiggling, et cetera. 
It's not a guess. It's boys. Yep, there they go. Get them, boys. Go, go, go. It's like they really have a motor in them, doesn't it? And what are they waiting for? Recess. What do they hate doing? Sitting still. And so girls are the gold standard, and boys are the defective girls. And she noticed this. In school, all the teachers of these grades are what? Females. And all the officials are usually females. There's a maturity rate difference also. Girls uh, uh, mature quicker. But also she noticed for a lot of, you, you know, the only male they see at school, the janitor. Now, kudos to men that are janitors. It's a, it's a good, honest job. But do you see how our educational system tailors to girls? So a few years, several years ago, uh, radio uh, TV station here in Harrisburg had an article on this called The Trouble with Boys. I mean, a thing on this called Trouble with Boys. And they told about a school where they separated the boys from the girls and they let the boys get up and move around and do hands-on stuff. Guess what happened to their scores? Really? <laughs> yeah, they went up. They started teaching them like boys. So here's psychology today. We're almost done. The problem with boys, an ignored crisis. Four to eight times as much likely to be drugged with Ritalin or other stimulants. Reading much poorly than other students. More likely to commit suicide. More likely to drop out. Severely underrepresented in college and college dra- graduates. And our schools continue to get ever more feminized. Competition, one of the boys' favorite motivators, has been gotten rid of in, in favor of what? Cooperative learning, which ends up often meaning that the bright and dedicated do the dull and lazy's work. Stories of heroism and bravery are replaced with tomes about relationships and sheroes. Recess which active boys desperate or seek to release pent-up energy is increasingly replaced by yet another round of phonics. Boys are told they, girls are told they can accomplish anything, while boys are taught that masculinity is an antisocial trait that must be extinguished. Boy, this is pointing to a lot of issues that we're facing in our society today. Yes. The percentage of female K-12 teachers has risen to an all-time high. In elementary school, it's well over 90%. The main role models boys see in school is the custodian. And when boys get home from school, the male male role models get worse. Watching a sitcom, movie, cartoon, or commercial, the odds are good that the male is a buffoon or a sleazebag, right? There's a lot going on here. This doesn't mean let boys get away with bad behavior. This doesn't mean that boys can't sit still. This doesn't mean that boys shouldn't be disciplined. They can be trained. And if instead of before we send our kids to school, if we're letting them snack all the time, if we're letting them not eat at dinner time, if we're letting them constantly play video games and watch explosions on TV and cartoons where everything comes at you, you know, in five second bites, they're not going to learn how to pay attention real well. So we can train our boys better but we can also realize that they are boys and that they should be able to move around and do things and not sit and do what is a better female environment type of learning and push that on all the boys. 
Um, girls are girls and boys are boys. Both need parenting, raising, and training. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Little boys will not stay little boys. Let's help them grow to be godly young men. Little girls will not stay little girls. Let's help them grow to be godly young men. Huh. Final comments? You remove God from the picture. These are the things we see. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's interesting the way you said that in that last slide. Let little girls be, grow to be young women. Today, little girls and little boys are being encouraged in our school systems that you can be a different gender. And it all fits in this all the same mix of delusion. Large, large ball of complicated mismanagement. Again, if any of our listeners, if you feel that your child does need a certain medication and you trust your doctor and talk to multiple doctors, you're the parent. Your doctor is your doctor. But if you just automatically listen to the first teacher and the first doctor who then quickly writes out another prescription, please, please realize that other countries are not doing the same thing as the U.S. The U.S. is not doing what the Bible talks about. And our doctors are trained in a system that doesn't begin with the principles of the Bible. And while some people do need some medications, there is no doubt that children in America today are undertrained and overmedicated. Yeah. Scott, we went past time a little bit, but I, it's a lot of information. I know there's a lot more information we can talk about. Uh, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Thank you for your comments that came in, and we appreciate that. And we invite you to come back and join us again next Tuesday at 2 p.m. for BibleQuest.tv. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Thanks. week.